A reading from Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. This semester's university chapel theme, God With, is one that I like. It's daring confidence that God is with. Yet, where is God with? With me, with you, with a stranger, with someone who does not see God with them at all, in my enemy, with my loved ones, with earth, with creation. Sometimes I look at the chapel poster or we talk about the theme in the office and to be honest, my mind kind of goes along a twisted path. It leaves that place of confidence. God with. God not with. God present. God hidden. God as close as the air that I breathe. God as uncontainable mystery. I find myself within a paradox of opposites. Most mornings when I walk to Samuelson Chapel and begin my work day, I'm walking at a time when the campus is barely awake. I meet morning walkers along the way. I wave to our housekeepers and our safety and security people as they are making their daily rounds or beginning their work. I've made a commitment since last Lent to avoid answering emails on my walk in an effort to pay attention to now. But this is a difficult commitment for me, and I'm not proud to say it. I've simply substituted answering my emails to a scrolling list of to-dos that I see before me. So how grateful I am that my path takes me beside 
some small groves of tall pine trees, standing like sentinels guarding driveways and parks. Their scent wakes me from my obsession to task. By the time I arrive at the walkway to the chapel, I see those chapel roses growing in whatever state they are. And I'm also greeted by the lizards doing their morning push-ups along the concrete path. You've seen them too. Last week, a bird was perched on one of the bare branches of a newly planted tree, and I watched it a long time, and it was a delight to be still together. So when I read these words of Jesus penned by the gospel writer Matthew, I realize that God's presence and work and protection are revealed in the world. Consider the lilies of the field, Jesus invites. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. Or maybe if Jesus was here, he would say, study for midterms. I ask myself, can I see God's presence woven into the blooming irises leaping out of the ground, as well as in the persistent garden weed? Man, they're everywhere out there. Can I see God in the handwriting? Can I see the handwriting of God in the heron that walks along that river that cuts through the South Campus, as well as in the nasty, biting mosquito? Can I see the breath of God in people who I like, who are kind and gracious, as well as those who are, are not? Can God's witness be there too? The Anglican priest and author Frederick Beekner, in his book, Listening to Your Life, I need to do more of that, he writes about one of his professors, James Muhlenberg, who left a powerful and lasting impression on him. Every morning when you wake up, Dr. Muhlenberg used to say, before you reaffirm your faith in the majesty of God, before you say, I believe, for another day, read the daily news with its record of the latest crimes and tragedies of mankind, and then see if you can honestly say it again. Beekner writes that his professor was a fool, a fool in the sense that he didn't or wouldn't resolve, intellectualize, or evade the tensions in his faith, but instead live them out. His faith was not, as Beekner said, a seamless garment, but a ragged garment with the seams exposed, the tears showing, a garment that he clutched about him like a man in a storm. Faith is a ragged garment clutched about you in the midst of a storm. Now that speaks to me of the God's witness with us. A God who is both hidden and revealed. A God who does provide, but 
not in the way I would provide if I was in charge, but I've never been called up for that team. A God who both takes care of us and lets us suffer the consequences of our choices. A God who does not reject the world, but constantly works to draw people into the very heart of God. So when the gospel writer Matthew tells us that Jesus once told the crowds who gathered around him to consider the lilies of the field, I think he was telling us to pay attention. We'll need to pay attention to all the varied places where God is with. We'll need to pay attention to the tensions of the life of faith. If we're to love God, then we're going to need to cease, to stop, and to listen for what God is up to in the world, both the tragic and the ecstatic. We'll need to listen to God in the life of our planet. We're going to have to look inside ourselves and see that there is much mystery there. And if we're going to love our neighbors, this companion commandment to the commandment to love God with all your heart and soul and mind, if we're going to love our neighbors, then we're going to have to really look at them and see them. And it's important for us to do more than just look with our eyes, but to look with the wisdom of our heart so that we can pay attention to how God is with them too. The poet Emily Dickinson once penned that to consider the lilies of the field was the only commandment she never broke. That's not bad. I give her an A+. Maybe there's a lesson in this for us as well. Amen. Would you pray with me? Brother Jesus, you set our feet upon the way. Bless us with courage where the way is fraught with danger. Bless us with graceful meetings when the way is lonely. Bless us with humility to learn from those around us. Bless us with love, both given and received. And bless us with your presence, even when we know it in your absence. Lead us until we find that on the road is where you already are. And where you already are is going home. Amen.